This is the Life in the Front Office podcast. I want to first thank all of our listeners to making this a success and helping us continue to grow. We bring on sports executives and professionals from around the industry, all different aspects of the industry, to provide insights and advice for those who are trying to enter the sports industry or those who are already in the industry just looking to learn something new and continue to get better. If you like our episode, please rate us on Apple Podcasts, leave a review, and visit our website at lifeinthefrontoffice.com for more episodes. Welcome to today's episode on Life in the Front Office. I'm your host, Jake Kirschman, and today I've got my co-host, Pat Gallagher, along with his co-author, Stephanie Martin. And uh, really excited to have Stephanie on today. Uh, we had Patty Hubbard on, uh, I don't know, what, a couple months ago, Pat? And yep, yep, now, now that life in the front office is well over a year old now, can you believe that? Uh, we are going strong, and we're excited to have Stephanie on today to talk a lot about brands and social media that are out there and, and in the agency world, but also as it pertains to yourself. So really excited to get going, but without further ado, Pat, go ahead and, and kick this episode off. Well, it's my pleasure to introduce Stephanie Martin, who uh, I've had the pleasure of working with. You know, Stephanie uh, is, is a marketing and communications professional that's had a ton of experience with big brands, Home Depot, Albertsons, and then, but always has had a love of sports. And so she played a big role on the America's Cup. She was my colleague on Super Bowl 50. We actually wound up writing a book together. Actually, Stephanie wrote it. I just sort of did whatever she told me to do. Hi, you, did, and, you did the audio book, right? No, no. Yeah, I did the, which is good for insomnia, by the way. But so, and, and, but Stephanie, the other stuff that she's done in sports, rugby sevens, they just had their World Cup here last, uh, last year. And, and so in the wake of all this, um, she, and she's an adjunct professor at University of San Francisco, but she and Patty Hubbard put together and decided that they were going to start their own company. Uh, called Brand Forward, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. I'm thrilled to be to be on it, and it's uh, it's been really fun to watch what you guys have done over the past year. I can't believe how many episodes you have recorded. We just keep going, and um, there's a lot <laughs> no of no one's you know, stopping the, us. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, Steph, we talk about somebody's brand, and you know, sometimes it's a really overworked. Uh, expression, you know, talk about my brand and your brand and all that stuff. But Brand Forward is a company that that you envisioned. Why don't you describe um, describe what Brand Forward does? What's your? I mean, you help people and and other and companies deal with the strategy, managing their identity. Um, and why don't you just describe what it is that you do and what you're advocating? Yeah, absolutely. Well, after Super Bowl, you know, Patty, um, you know, was our, we were the client, she was our vendor when she was president over at MKTG. So one of the things that we were interested in doing is seeing how we could take all the expertise that we've learned from our brand experience and our communications and marketing experience, and really see how we could apply that to people. And we both have a love for sports and wanted to um, be able to come in and really help professional athletes, Olympians and Paralympians um, really think less transactionally um, that we kind of saw a lot of that in our sports careers that um, a lot of the relationships that 
or partnerships or endorsements that athletes have tend to be very transactional, uh, an autograph signing here, uh, you know, a, a shoe signing here. And we wanted to help them take a step back and really think about themselves as a brand and um, how they could leverage that brand to really be pursuing the things that they cared about off the field or off the court. And so when, when we, oh, go ahead, Pat. No, 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 because, uh, because an athlete, a professional or an amateur athlete, you know, their, their career in that area is actually, you know, is a really a small amount of time. So I think what you're, what you've done is you, you're trying to sensitize them to realize that this is an opportunity to take the visibility that they might have as an athlete and, and extend it into uh, telling more about what their, their real life's all about. Yeah. And I think also too, we want athletes to understand that being an athlete is not their sole identity. There is so much more to them. They're, you know, multidimensional people that have other business pursuits they're interested in. They have other passions they're interested in. And so what we wanted to do is really help them identify what those opportunities were and leverage their platform while they were participating in the sport and really maximize it for themselves. But as they start to think about that transition, what are those other things that they're interested in? And one of the things we hear from a lot of our clients is, I have an, I have an interest or I kind of have a goal, but I, I really don't know where to start. And so that's, that's where we come in is really helping them to take that first step. And Stephanie, as, as you think about all the, the clients that you've worked with and, and the commonalities amongst them, what's the biggest thing that you've noticed in terms of the lack of preparation uh, in terms of, in terms of, you know, post post-career success and associate that with identity, with their brand, does their brand, you know, change after they're done playing or how can they hold on to their brand? You know, some, let's just face it, some players are more popular than others, right? They can easily hold on to the brand that they've had their entire career. And some, it just goes away the next day, right? Yeah. So what we try to do is help athletes understand that what brand is, is not, it's not publicity. So it really is, it's, it's your reputation. It's what you're known for. And so for those athletes that maybe aren't as outgoing, or maybe they're not the superstar in their sport, Every athlete, and, in, and, and by that matter, every person has the ability to build a brand because it really is about what you stand for, what your values are, what gets you excited to get up every single day, and then how do you use those gifts? So if you don't, what we tell our clients is, if you don't tell people what you care about, what you want to pursue, how are, you, how are they going to understand what, you, what you're interested in? So um, part of what we do is, is give some athletes the confidence to be able to pursue something else because their whole lives they've been focused on that one goal of, you know, hundred percent putting in the effort to become a professional athlete in the sport that they, they love. And so um, some of it is confidence. Some of it is, um, you know, can, can be a psychology session, you know, working through with our athletes and really helping them to, to figure out where they want to go for others. It's helping again um, to take that first step and understand what their brand is and what their brand um, stands for. I know, I mean, I can speak from my own personal experience. You know, I had to get help having someone write my own, you know, my LinkedIn profile. It's very hard for um, anyone to answer the question, what do you stand for? So we help put athletes through a process that helps them get, you know, get to that brand narrative without, you know, just asking them to write it down themselves. Um, you know, most people are, are humble. And so it's hard to be able to share what they stand for 
And so getting to that brand narrative is, is a starting place that we think is really helpful for everybody. And, and it's something, and, I was just to say, Pat, it, it's something that's not so simple, or at least it seems simpler than it really is to Stephanie's point. Pat, without putting you on the spot, do you have what you stand for? <laughs> I think, well, I, I think the other piece of it is, is that now there's so many other ways, there's so many ways to tools available to help communicate. I mean, we just mentioned one of them, LinkedIn, but there are all the other ways that technology gives us to, to communicate. And, you know, we've, we've all seen examples of people who do, we think do a great job and they break through. And then unfortunately, sometimes we see, you know, examples of people who do not do a great job or, or who are careless or even worse, they let somebody else sort of hijack their message. And, um, and it's something that all of a sudden, uh, it's sort of like a runaway train. I mean, Stephanie, give us, give us an example of somebody you think, some athlete who really does, who really gets this and really does a great job. Well, um, to start with the, the first, your first point, Pat, I, I agree about the channels. One of the things that a lot of people think is, oh, I've got this social media channel. I've got this ability uh, to be able to share my message, which, which is great. You know, channels do in today's world allow you to talk directly to your own community and to talk to your own fans. And so understanding what that message is and being consistent in it is a way to be successful in growing your community and your community of fans because they know what they're going to get every time they come back to your, um, your social channels. Um, when we go and talk to athletes, so, you know, one of the examples that we use, um, there's, there's a few, but one is Russell Westbrook. If you go to his Instagram feed, you will see that every single one of his posts, if it's not about basketball, it's about three things. It's philanthropy, it's family, and it's fashion. And, and there's nothing else in there. So he's, he's crystal clear on what he cares about, what he values, the things that he loves the most, and he communicates that on a consistent basis. So we always encourage you know, anyone when you're using social, really think about what you're trying to get across and understand that if you just put out a bunch of different things, people will be kind of confused at looking at, at your, your own channels. You know, give them a reason to come and listen to you. Pat, in, in terms of the age and social media and how it's grown over the years, um, and Stephanie chime in here as well, how has it changed from a business standpoint in, in the sense of the brand of the team or the brand of the brand? Stephanie, I know you, you, you've worked with quite a few brands. Uh, how has that helped change the scope in which brands can ultimately um, change or shift their identity? Um, in terms of communicating that out? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, it's it's interesting um, in terms of looking at athletes in particular. We were just at um, the Facebook, Instagram, um, their first athlete summit. And one of the great stats that we saw and have seen a few times now is, you know, athletes have more engagement today than all of the properties and um, and publishers out there combined. So in terms of influence, being able to use um, and engage athletes to tell a story is really helpful for brands. And it's because consumers are really craving authenticity. You know, um, a lot of times brands are very product led, but when you're leading through a storytelling perspective and you're being able to connect people on, a, on an emotional 
standpoint, or it, it's so much more compelling in terms of the way that you can create that connectiveness. So I think that's one of the things that we've seen that's been really exciting and also um, great for influencers and athletes and celebrities is the ability to um, engage through storytelling and uh, have it not just be an ad anymore, um, especially as audiences get younger, they don't trust ads. Um, they trust peer to peer. They trust people telling them their experience. And so um, seeing storytelling being woven in has been really, it's been really exciting. I know one of the things that you, you do stress is, uh, is, is the value of, of, of your personal network, of developing a personal network. You know, in the old days, they used to call that having a good Rolodex. Well, you know, I guess that sort of dates anybody that says that now. But, but the value of your network, of, of, what it, uh, of what it can do for you. And um, talk a little bit about that, about um, the ways that you can that an athlete can take advantage of their network. And, and I, I think when we talk about athletes too, we're now talking, we could really talk about anybody who mm -hmm. is in business who wants to continue to grow. Absolutely. Yeah, um, when we talk to athletes, you know, a, a number of athletes have to do things like pro-ams or participate in, um, you know, sponsor activations where maybe they don't feel as engaged. You know, they're, they're there for contractual reasons and we encourage them to take advantage of every moment because you may, you don't know what door someone can open for you. Um, you don't know that maybe that individual person doesn't have a connection, uh, but they might have an, a, another person who could open a door for you. So we always encourage athletes to really uh, think about ways that they can build communities of people where you can add value to each other and that you participate in it just as much as you're taking from it. And it really needs to be um, this, this wonderful give and take. Uh, and so that's a, a big thing we always encourage. And, and it can be hard to do networking when you're an athlete, but it's just, you know, being open and being able to, um, you know, be able to ask people a couple of questions about themselves and then also be ready with your own messages to share what you care about. Because again, they might be able to say, oh, you know, I, I actually know someone that cares about the same philanthropy or the same nonprofit that you do, we should connect you up. Um, and then second, we always talk about a kitchen cabinet. You know, who are the people that you have sitting around your table? Uh, who are those go-to advisors, the three or four people that you would want to sit down with and, and really think about, you know, Pat, you're that for me, you're in my kitchen cabinet. And, you know, the people that you trust, the mentors, um, the people that you know can give you the good advice and can give you the tough advice and can also really push you and stretch you and, and help you to um, really understand what, what's possible for you to do. Because you're talking about it, it with a lot of athletes, um, not all of them, but really, I guess the most of them is that, you know, they're, they're still maturing as people. Um, maybe when they're either training or at, the, at close to their peak as an athlete. And so they may not have had the life experience that, you know, those of us who are older and have sort of seen it and done it, and if you will. But how, tell me how you, how do you inject uh, a sense of importance in this, in an athlete who may be a younger athlete, somebody who may not have reached a, a, a point of maturity to understand what it, why it's so important. Sure. Well, we see, you know, a, a number of athletes who are interested in it, but um, because they've been pursuing an athletic pursuit and not, you know, they, they go to transition and they see someone of a similar age, 
you know, uh, in a business career that's several years ahead, we have to talk to them a lot about the transferable skills that they have. And sometimes you don't realize that, especially if you're an Olympian, the skills that you have in, you're essentially running your own business. You're doing, you've done your, your fundraising, you're having to do logistics to move your equipment around. Um, you're having to do your own marketing and promotion. So there are a lot of these transition, uh, these, these skills that are transferable over into their new careers. It's just part of it is the mindset of helping athletes to truly understand the skills that they do have. Um, that that's kind of part of the conversation that um, we have with them is to really get them to, to understand that. Well, and, and Stephanie, with, <clears throat> with someone who's built up such a pedigree from a performance standpoint, uh, they maybe whether they're on cloud nine or not, or, or they've got all the money in the world uh, or maybe one who has none and maybe they've gotten hurt. How does the background and experience and situation that they're in affect how they think that they, they ought to think about their brand at that moment in time? Well, it's interesting, Jake, that you bring up injury because we have seen a lot of athletes take advantage of, of being injured to start to pursue something else. Because as you're, you know, we've said before, sometimes it doesn't occur to you that, that a career is going to end and it, and it, sometimes doesn't occur to you that a career is going to end sooner than you had hoped. And so um, we've seen a number of athletes like um, Essence Carson's a great example from the WNBA. She had an injury that kept her out. And she said, I, I made sure that I, that injury became my opportunity. She wants, she is um, also a hip hop, um, you know, artist who writes her own music. She's um, trained piano player um, she went and got uh, a internship with a record label to learn the ins and the outs of how to do producing, but also just how management works um, at the same time was recording her own music. So use that opportunity to her advantage. Um, and you hear that often that an athlete will, will say, OK, when I had the injury, I realized that this wasn't you know, going to go on forever. I think the thing that we see that is really good is as really young kids are coming up because they are digital natives and they have all, they've been building their brands often from, you know, being now even in elementary school that we have this young group of, of, of young people that kind of see that there's so much more, there's so many more opportunities and that sport is only one of them, um, that it is absolutely okay to pursue a passion that you have outside of sport at the same time. It is doable within, you know, your schedules and um, people are being celebrated for it. So it's the group of people that we're kind of working with right now are the ones that didn't grow up in that kind of generation and are really trying to either figure out what they do next as their encore career or their third or fourth or fifth career or helping them to realize they have this amazing platform now while they're playing and really take advantage of it. How are you? Uh, how are you re re relating to, you know, the others that are trying to get attention or advise athletes? I mean, they have parents, you know, they have coaches. Um, if they if they play for a, a franchise or an organization, you know, there's a lot of people. They have have an agent. People who are uh, sort of, uh, you know, all, all want a level of uh, of attention. And how do you gain the gain the trust of the athlete? T describe how you do that. Yeah, um, it, it's been it's been really great process for us. I think this is one of the things we enjoy the most is 
we take our athletes through an intake process on the front end, which, which takes them through a brand process that like a Nike or a Home Depot would go through um, to really think about their brand. And it's a, it's a pretty intimate process where we're taking through a, them through a number of questions that get to the heart of what they care about and what gets them excited to get out of bed every day. And that process allows us to create a relationship with the athletes where they know that one, um, we're really listening to them. We really hear, you know, what they care about um, and, and what's important to them every single day. And that we also get to learn about their values and, um, and what drives them as a person. And then we validate everything that we've, you know, we go back, we write up their brand story and we validate it with them to make sure that we did endear cure them. And if there was something that was missing, um, we could get that into their brand story. And I think that process enables us to really um, kind of accelerate our relationship because they understand that this whole process is built for them. It's built specifically to make sure that they feel heard and that they feel listened to and that they have um, ultimately a coach in us. And that's the way we position ourselves is not as brand consultants or um, you know the like, that we really are their coaches because athletes are have always had a coach and we want to make sure that they feel like they have that support system in us as well. Stephanie, as, as, as you've, um, you know, you, you pointed out earlier that, you know, working with the different athletes, um, each one has their own story to tell, right? Each one has their own brand and as they build it, um, they take advantage of certain opportunities are there examples in which um, athletes have either, you know, turned a corner and been able to almost think of, of their passions outside of sport and be able to do them at the same time? And, it's, and in the same light, you know, for yourself, working in sports, being able to pursue other passions, whether that's teaching, whether that's, um, you know, community service, et cetera, outside of your, your day job as well. Have you seen instances in which you can relate to in terms of what you do outside your, your day job? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think um, I've, I've always wanted to, you know, do a number of different things. I have a lot of, a lot of passions and um, uh, you know, I, I don't know if it's confidence or if it's just, um, you know, uh, <laughs> my Irish, you know, I'm going to get this done, but you know, I, I've just always said, okay, well, I want to do that thing. I'm going to just go do it. Um, and so I do see athletes who come to us who say, you know, I'm, I'm interested in these other things. I just don't know if, if it's possible. And so we do help them think through how that is possible or how they want to bring things to light. But there are so many athletes today that are doing, um, they're following their other passions, whether it is leading a cause, you know, it's, it's not even, um, you know, they want to be involved in philanthropy. They're actually leading causes like Alicia Montoya, who led the whole Dream Maternity Act, which was focused on getting companies like Nike to actually um, include maternity leave for their contracted athletes. You know, she's a full-time athlete who actually led that that whole initiative or what um, you see like Anquan Bolden doing um, with the players coalition, like there's some really incredibly interesting things that athletes are doing today where they're not just lending their voice, but they're actually leading with their voice and, and providing their voice. Um, so we're really excited about that because it, it does, it allows them to kind of scratch another itch. Um, 
Another example is Martellus Bennett. When he was playing um, professionally, when he would be traveling, he would take advantage and go have coffee with a creative because he knew someday he wanted to start his own agency, which he has, the Imagination Agency, and um, write books and do animation. So if you have that interest, there are ways to do it where it doesn't take away from your, your professional job, but you can, you know, you can really start to build those that could be future careers for you, or they could just be a hobby that really is exciting and keeps your mind stimulated while you're, you're playing. Pat, were you able to, to, you know, aside from the athlete part of the conversation, were you able to, to, uh, dive into other passions outside of your, your job with giants and, and what you were doing on a day-to-day basis? Well, my, my pet, I, I had the ability to, and I think one of the things we, we, we tried to get other people in the organization, not just players, but people who uh, work in the front office um, is to, is to encourage them to, um, to, to put the other things they like to do, whether it's a hobby, whether it's a charitable involvement, whether it's uh, something with their family, is to encourage people to do that. You know, I guess when, when I first started in the business, it, you know, it was sort of a badge of courage to work, you know, 15-hour days and, um, you know, kind of w- work until you drop, which fortunately uh, amateur and professional sports organizations have now realized that that's sort of a, a not a sustainable way to attract good people. And it's also not a good way to do business, but yeah, I think it's a, um, uh, you know, we all have, we're all fortunate to work in what I always like to call the fun business because it's, uh, it's, they're, they're, they're visible. It's a visible thing. People are passionate about these things, but it's really an opportunity to, uh, if you want to lead a full life, um, you should have the, be encouraged to bring these other things to the forefront. I mean, Stephanie, I'll just say it. One of her passions has always been sailing and she was a, not only a sailor as a kid, but actually was, uh, was a competitive sailor in college and even further, um, you know, worked on things like the America's cup. Uh, her, her husband, Mike is a world-class sailor. Uh, talk about your passion for sailing a little bit, Steph. Yeah, sure. Well, it's yeah, been a lifelong passion. I started when I was 10 and it's it's um, you know, kind of what our life revolves around um cuz you know, my husband is a he's a mechanical engineer, but he's also a pro sailor and has won a, a bunch of world championships and I think I've loved the sport because it's I don't travel around the the world because of it and have amazing friends in different parts of um, the country and, and, you know, different countries around the globe. And um, I just love the challenge of the sport. You know, for me, it's, you know, I do a thing called team racing. So it's uh, like chess on the water. And it's one of those things that you're never quite out of it, which I always find interesting about sport. But I mean, even this past weekend, I was racing out on San Francisco Bay. So that's a sport that um, I know I'm going to do the rest of my life. And it is a, it's a passion that um, I, I love to pursue and, um, and, you know, I feel really um, lucky to have found. Well, so tell us something about sailing that an average person wouldn't know that anybody who sails knows. I mean, what, what are the things that, that you have to have to be competitive? Well, we do what's called dinghy racing, which is small boats. So it's not the, um, 
you know, the big giant wheel where you, you know, you might have a cocktail <laughs> behind. That's the, hey, that's the kind I like. <laughs> I think that's, I think that's how most people envision sailing is uh, sailing off yeah. into the sunset, which is, um, which is great because that's what gets so many people into our sport is the romantic idea of being out on the water. Um, I think the thing that's always, um, people always are not, not don't know that much about, but it's an incredibly physically demanding sport and also mentally taxing because you're, you're dealing with a condition that's constantly changing, which is both the wind and the water and the tides. And so I think that's why we all as sailors keep doing it because it's, it's impossible to master and um, you're always working at it. Yeah, I mean, Stephanie, from a from a from a sailing perspective, what's what's one thing that you've learned from sailing that that has made you or helped you be successful, you know, outside the water? Well, in sailing, there's a you know the wind shifts constantly, and so I think that's that's one of the things you have to know is like okay, the wind is going to shift, and so you have to figure out the next step or the next solution. So I think that's that has definitely played into my, um, you know, um, my skill as a problem solver. You know, if there's, if adversity is going to come hit you, it's okay. Here it is. Let's assess the situation and let's figure out a way to move forward. So I think in sailing, you learn, you can, um, if you, we call it going into irons. If the, if the boat goes upwind, you know, it, it goes into irons and it can't move forward. So you have to figure out a way to get your boat moving and get unstuck. And um, you just have to adjust the sails whenever the wind shifts. Stephanie, when you when you uh, I'll shift a, shift a little bit here too was, you know, when you finished, you know, both of us had the chance to work on Super Bowl Fifty, and it was a, you know, sort of a, a wonderful experience. Uh, the best part about it for me was just to be able to work with people like you and others to do something and do it in a way that was. Uh, that was important and, and actually was one of the reasons why we wound up writing the book about it. Um, uh, but d- describe, describe um, how you, a- at the end of that experience, how you or why you decided to take this on. Why did you think this was important and important enough that you would actually start a company to do this? Well, after Super Bowl you know, Patty and I were both talking about what we wanted to do next. We were both kind of interested in in really kind of doing something new. And I think um, we both knew in, that we really did want to get do something that was going to involve people. And um, in was there an opportunity for us to apply our knowledge to um, helping helping people or making an impact in other people's lives? And, you know, in my family, I think, you know, Pat, we have a, we have a lot of coaches. And so, um, you know, kind of coaching has always kind of been something that I've been drawn to in large professional settings where, you know, I've, I've always had mentees and really love to help people, um, you know, you know, support them. I just, I think at the end of the day, I really want to help people to to realize their potential and really find that confidence to pursue the things that um, enable them to use their their gifts or their strengths, um, whether it's shifting in a job or finding a new job or finding the right culture that's going to support them. And so, when I we started to think about, okay, how to marry that with sports, it was this opportunity that we saw with athletes, and there really is a huge gap. I mean, there's um, a huge disparity in the way that. 
athletes have access to resources based on sport, you know, based on their discipline or based on, um, you know, their role in the sport. Um, you know, it's not, it's not always performance-based. It, it, it can also be, you know, where they are in the team or where they're coming up or where they are in part of the country. And so we wanted to help level that playing field and help enable more athletes to get access to the resources that um, they needed. And so in addition to our individual client work, we've also have set up our workshop series where we actually go and, you know, we've been on tour with LPGA and we've gone um, down to the 49ers with their rookies. And we've put on these workshops to help reach a broader base of athletes. And then we also have our um, athlete by brand series, which is a, a summit series where we bring together people that work on athlete brands to help kind of push the whole industry forward. Because our, our theory and I, um, really is, it's about community. The more opportunities that we have to collaborate with people that are doing good work, the more athletes we're going to be able to reach and the more impact we're going to be able to have. And also be able to uh, be able to advise, um, you know, consumer product companies or any companies who want to associate with, uh, with the passion for athletics. And um, it's, you know, it's not just the athletes, it's the, it's sort of the people around them. And to also to learn what's the best way to, to use an athlete or what's the best way to, uh, to communicate with an athlete. What are the things, you know, people tend to look at athletes sometimes as sort of being, their life is a hundred times more exciting than their life and that they, that they, you know, that they, they have some sort of divine uh, capability. And one of the things you're, you're actually helping do is, is these, these are actually human beings. You know, they have a skill that lets them do things otherwise, but you're, you're helping them to, to utilize that skill to leverage it, to give them something else. Yeah, absolutely. And with, you know, as you said about brands, I mean, I think one of the things we're really excited about is to see how brands are embracing athletes from a mutually um, beneficial standpoint where the partnerships that work the best are the ones that are values aligned. And also that works the best for the consumer because it makes sense to the consumer. So for example, when Stephen Curry did a brand partnership with Brita Water, that makes sense. You know, he's got a very kind of pure brand and to partner with a water purifier, that makes sense. And it makes sense to the consumer. So um, athletes are not only, you know, thinking about that, you know, that's part of their brand filter is to think about, okay, is that company, it's not just about cash anymore. It's about, is that company aligned with how I see myself and how I want to project myself? And then if it is, and, and then the athlete can also have uh, input into the creative or into the messaging, the advertisements and the marketing just becomes so much stronger, especially again, when they use storytelling as a, as a vehicle to be able to, to um, share that piece of content. Um, that's really, that's really exciting. And it's, it's great for the consumer as well, because it's very authentic in the way that this marketing is being done. You know, I think it's an extension of sort of, you know, I'll plug our book again for people who haven't read it. Uh, you know, big game, bigger impact. And it, you know, we, we sort of was about the 50th Super Bowl, but what it was really about was the power of leveraging a big event to do some good and about the, the philanthropy and that part of it. And, you know, talk a little bit about that, about the power that, that athletes have 
and organizations have to do good, to do things that, that it's not just about making money. It's about setting a good example. Yeah. I mean, that, I think that was one of the most exciting parts about being part of Super Bowl 50. You know, we, we worked with an amazing group of people that um, we were all, you know, very mission aligned. And we knew that this event could have a massive impact on the San Francisco Bay Area if we did it right. And it really was focusing on how do we leave a legacy that was a real legacy, that it, it could, you know, have a lasting impact on the region and, um, you know, putting in place a, our, what we called the 50 Fund, which through which we raised $13 million um, and gave back into the community that was focused on, you know, kind of the neighborhoods and you know communities that needed it the most with a big focus on youth and um you know really helping those um those um, youth in the bay area that really needed the most support that process kind of brought everybody together because we knew that it wasn't just putting on a uh, you know the world's most engaging football game it really was about how do we take a sporting event and use that as a way to to do good in our own community. And I think that it really resonated not only with um, with us, but it really resonated with with all the Bay Area residents. You know, they they rallied behind it because there was a larger um, there was a larger goal behind putting on you know what was considered just a one day event. It, this was really about lasting impact. Well, and and a lot of the people, what you know, part of sort of our our, our I guess our sales pitch to get people to come together and work on this, it certainly wasn't what they were going to make because, uh, you know, financially they would do maybe better in, in maybe more traditional businesses. So it was also at a limited lifespan. One of the things is we said, no matter how good of or how bad of a job we do with Super Bowl 50 is that, um, in two and a half years, um, it's going to be over. Um, okay. but I think what, but what's been in, really been heartening for me is that the people who are in, were involved in that have moved on to do some really interesting things. I mean, our friend, um, you know, Jason Tremue now, um, is now with Facebook and is really a rising star there with their, um, you know, in, in dealing with their diversity, uh, their supplier diversity, but then he's moved on to other elements of diversity. But, you know, some of our other friends who were, have moved on to do some really interesting things. Yeah, no, it was a it was a special group of people. That's for sure. It was uh, one of those one of those moments that um, you know you probably can't um, recreate, but you're certainly grateful that you had the experience to work with these amazing people. As we as we look to wrap up the episode, what's you know we we've, we've talked a lot about athletes and kind of you know how they develop their brands, how they have to think about their brands not only during and after, but what are the things that for, for us in, in the sports industry and those that are trying to get into the sports industry, building their brands uh, along the way throughout their career, what are the things that we can actually learn from the athletes and what they've, what they've gone through from the transition? In theory, it's the same transition. You're transitioning from what's called high school to college, college to the workforce, and then it's this long process of the workforce, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, to where... Uh, there's there's things that you're learning all the time, but what can we learn from those athletes um, that people can apply, you know, working in the front office? Well, it's the same thing. So it's, you know, really thinking about what you want to be known for. So what it, what's the reputation that you're starting to build? Um, when you, you know, as the, the famous Jeff Bezos quote is, um, 
uh, you know, what do you want someone to say about you when you're not in the room? So think about those things. And when we start working with athletes, we, we kind of work in the beginning part of, you know, think about what that narrative is, you know, name three things you would love someone to know about you. What, what are those three things? And then think about your journey. You know, how did you get here today? What is, what, what might be a defining moment of how you got here today and where you're going on your pathway? That, that is part of your story. And that's, that's what people remember. The story is that concrete piece of, um, you know, uh, language that that people actually remember they don't remember the stats and facts so when you look at your resume yes it's gonna be you know kind of littered with all the good things that you did and you know the percentages that you you know brought in in sales but the bigger part is what's your story and what what are you known for so no matter who you are you have a brand so you have a choice either you are going to take that brand, cultivate it and drive it, or you're allowing someone else to define it for you. So we always encourage our athletes to really understand that it's your story. You know, you own it, you get the chance to write it. So, so do that and take control of it. It's, it's not about controlling your narrative. It's really more about really building towards what you want to be known for. And if people don't know the gifts that you have, if they don't know the strengths, you know, if you're in a work environment, maybe where you're frustrated and you're not getting to do the work that you want to do, well, let your boss know about those strengths, you know, let them know about the things that you might be good at. Um, I have a, you know, like a, a, a great story from when my dad was in the military, he went at, at age 17 to the Air Force and uh, they assigned him to be a cook. And my father was not a good cook. He was really good at making toast, but <laughs> that was kind of the, the his skill set when it came to making food. So at you know at age seventeen, back in that in that day, um, he actually went up to his commanding officer and said, "Listen, this really isn't my skill set, but what I've taken a lot of business classes in high school, and I really feel like I could add value by being in the accounting department." And so they they actually put him through a test and found that yes actually he was really strong at that and he ended up being you know at 18 an auditor for multiple bases so if you don't voice what your strengths are you may never have the opportunity to to try them so we just always encourage people let people know what you're good at let people know what what gets you excited because when you get to do the things that you're passionate about that's when you're most engaged at work and that's when you really enjoy going to work every single day It's all about storytelling. And Stephanie, thank you so much for allowing Jake and I to listen to your story and to allow your story to be an example for our listeners. Uh, we really appreciate you being on the episode and all the best. Maybe we'll, we'll, we'll catch up with you later on down the road to see what other stories you're telling. Absolutely. Well, thanks so much, Pat. Thank you, Jake. It's an absolute pleasure to be able to speak with you both. And we lo absolutely love what you're doing. It's so great to be able to share all these insights, um, you know, through with your audience. So thank you for the, the opportunity. I want to take the time to thank you for listening to Life in the Front Office. And if you liked our episode, please rate us on Apple Podcasts and leave a review. We greatly appreciate it. And for more episodes, Visit us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or on our website at lifeinthefrontoffice.com. And please continue to share uh, with your colleagues on social media and help us continue to grow.
Thanks.